Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. All right, welcome to Noise Filter. This is Dr. Mark Allendary. Doc Griggs is not able to be with us today. So let's go ahead and get started. CDC acknowledges minimal risk of surface transmission. You know, in early April, the CDC stated what has now become a common point, a contingency for many scientists, that the surface transmission of COVID-19 is incredibly unlikely. Deep cleaning surfaces is more theater than effective prevention. So according to The Atlantic, while hygiene theater may seem victimless, some aspects of it harbor on pretty vast opportunity cost. While it's essential to do things like wash your hands in general, businesses and governmental institutions have allocated already scarce resources on deep cleaning their surfaces. In New York City, the Transit Authority lost billions in revenue and spent almost half a billion on cleaning and sanitation. These hygiene theater practices obfuscate public health messaging about protecting ourselves from the virus by leaving them ill-equipped to address actual sources of transmission, such as ventilation, and this lures the public into a false sense of security. Now, according to The Atlantic, America's handling of the false threat of surface transmission is reflective of their failings during the pandemic at large, where our institutions fail to adequately accept and adapt to evolving information. Hopefully, the CDC's announcement will retire some of these hygiene theater practices. Finally, the CDC has updated recommendations on how you should be cleaning your house, both when everyone is healthy or when there are sick people in the house. When everyone is healthy, they recommended fairly typical cleaning practices. Clean the high-touch surfaces when they are visibly dirty and after visitors have been inside and use appropriate products for each surface. When there is a sick person in the home, the CDC recommends using products from the EPA's list of those that are effective against COVID-19 and wear gloves while you can. Failure of plasma treatment teaches lesson in science and crisis. You know, in the early stages of the pandemic, plasma from people with COVID antibodies was oft touted as a possible treatment for COVID-19 without much evidence that this was the case. But now, according to the New York Times, the federal government acted on this possibility anyway, pouring $800 million into the collection effort. Mayo Clinic and the Red Cross led campaigns to get that plasma. Now more than a year into the pandemic, no quality evidence of the plasma's effectiveness against COVID-19 has been found, and demand for plasma has dropped and collections have slowed down. According to the Times, the lack of return of this massive gamble from the U.S. government is an important lesson in experimental treatment during crises. The government administered plasma outside of the parameters of a clinical trial, making it very time-consuming to measure effectiveness. Now, when researchers were able to reach a conclusion, it wasn't promising. While plasma may be helpful to COVID patients under certain conditions, it didn't have much broadly applicable effect, especially for more severe cases. 
And in August, the FDA's commissioner misrepresented these preliminary findings after the agency authorized plasma for emergency use, making the treatment appear as if it had more efficacy than it actually did. This opened up the treatment more widely. Community hospitals with scarce resources and few alternative options adopted the practice for its greater availability. And when hospitals saw that the treatment was unlikely to succeed, they needed to treat patients in a way that they could. Some scientists, including those who worked for the FDA under previous administrations, want the FDA to rescind authorization for this treatment. According to the former chief scientists of the agency, pandemic exceptionalism, where typical scientific practices are abandoned due to crisis, serve to do more harm than good, wasting resources and diverting time and labor away from researching other treatments. The vaccine may not offer complete protection for the immunocompromised. So ABC News reported that people with weakened immune systems, COVID-19 vaccines may have reduced effectiveness. And studies now from John Hopkins University and the Journal of the American Medical Association confirm those findings as well. Now, although clinical trials found vaccines were highly effective in preventing symptomatic or severe COVID-19 infections, these trials largely excluded people who were immunocompromised. That means Trials may not apply to people with weakened immune systems, such as people who have cancer or people who are living with HIV or people who are taking medications that weaken the immune system to manage medical conditions like those with autoimmune conditions or those who have had transplants. Now, recent studies suggest that some of the treatments for those conditions may interfere with the body's ability to create antibodies that help protect against COVID-19 after vaccination. Additional studies are needed to figure this out. Normally, a fully vaccinated person will produce COVID-19 antibodies, and those antibodies should show up on an antibody test. But some fully vaccinated people who are immunocompromised don't produce enough antibodies to test positive on an antibody test. And researchers noted that antibody monitoring only measures one way the body responds to infections, and there are other ways your immune system might be protecting you that wouldn't show up on an antibody test, including T-cell response, which is more challenging to test than antibodies. So it's definitely possible that there's still immunity built up, even if the test doesn't acknowledge the presence of antibodies, says Dr. John Brownstein, an epidemiologist at Boston Children's Hospital. Experts do say it's still very important for immunocompromised people and those around them to get vaccinated, but it may be necessary for those with compromised immune systems to take extra precautions after vaccination and continue to social distance, practice hand washing, and wear masks in public. How to keep our earth clean. Now, while personal protective equipment or PPE is a necessity because it reduces our risk of contracting the coronavirus, it is estimated that billions of face masks have ended up in the ocean. It's an environmental issue that ABC News is calling personal protective equipment pollution. It is estimated that about 129 billion face masks and 65 billion gloves are being used monthly, and this increased use is having detrimental effects on the environment, especially our oceans. There are estimates that by 2048, we're going to have more plastic in our oceans than fish. 
Britta Betchler, Senior Manager of Ocean Plastics at Ocean Conservancy, says, What makes face masks so dangerous and problematic to marine life are the microplastics that are generated from disposable face masks. Microplastics are tiny pieces of synthetic material that are either manufactured to be intentionally small or break down from larger plastic items. They are such a problem because they are persistent in a whole bunch of different environmental media, and they just cycle through different environments and different animals for very long time periods, or they actually never really go away. PPE isn't the only thing negatively affecting marine life. It's also impacting wildlife too. There are cases of birds that have gotten the loops of face masks stuck in their bodies and birds using face masks and other equipment to line their nests. So what are some ways that we can continue to protect ourselves and our environment at the same time? One, wear reusable masks. Cut the loops of your single-use mask with scissors to lessen the threat of entanglement from land and sea animals. Try face masks made from more sustainable materials like hemp or bamboo, or just even reduce your overall single-use mask consumption. While recent CDC guidelines have advised us that it is okay for us to stop wearing masks, especially amongst those that are vaccinated, we do want to continue to keep an eye on the earth and the oceans for all the possible harm that has been done as a result of all the masks that we did wear this past year. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs. Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to NoiseFilterShow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.